Hello, this is Annie from the Smithsonian American Art Museum's Loose Foundation Center. Since 2011, we've hosted Loose Unplugged, a free monthly concert series that celebrates the work of local musicians. Now we're partnering with Hometown Sounds to bring you tracks from DC artists we love. For more on Loose Unplugged, visit americanart.si.edu slash loose slash unplugged. There, you'll find a complete list of Loose Unplugged artists, videos of past performances, and artist interviews on our iLevel blog. We look forward to welcoming you back to the museum when it's safe to hold concerts again. Until then, stay well, stay in touch, and enjoy these tunes from our neighbors in the DMV. Hi, I'm Olivia Mancini. And I'm Jarrett Nicolay, and we are Astrovia. And this is the Loose Listening Party presented by Hometown Sounds.
Welcome back to Hometown Sounds. We show you how DC rocks. I'm Tony Fereco. I'm Paul Vodra, and this is the Loose Listening Party, presented with our friends at the Loose Foundation Center in the Smithsonian American Art Museum. They host the Loose Unplugged Live Music Series, and we are really excited to host that with them when we can all get back into spaces and celebrate live music again. And in the meantime, we are chatting with some really awesome DC musicians that we would love to feature in that space. And on this episode, we have a, two of our favorite, favorite DC luminaries, just legends, Astrovia, Jared Nicolay, and Olivia Mancini. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you so much. So we started out with an Astrovia song called You Don't Want to Know. It was a single that they released in 2019, and it is a little frighteningly relevant in this era, March 2022. What can you tell us about this particular song and, and why you've chosen it and what it might mean to you uh, in, in the current time? Liv, you want to take it or you want me to... Because you brought, you brought the tune, like you were the, you were the genesis of it, and then I was happy to to take the baton and then pass it back. So, yeah. Um, I can kick us off. I think that, I call this a classic Astrovia collab where one or the other of us brings some portion of a song and then the other person adds their element and then we pass it back and forth again. And then ultimately we get some sort of, I don't know, somewhat cohesive uh, version of a recorded <laughs> audio experience. <laughs> This song, as I recall, was sort of like in uh, came about during the doldrums of the Trump years. I was relating to all oppressed people in the world as I I as an American felt oppressed by my government. And I think I was also watching The Americans. If anybody saw that uh, starring Felicity. Such a good show. Such a good show. And. I had absconded to a cabin in the woods for the weekend and I brought all my stuff and I set all this stuff up. And unlike Jarrett, I do kind of like a kid studio, like a, like um, what's that called? A, a Fisher Price studio. Like I've got like uh, have garage band will travel. It's just me and like my little Scarlet solo thing. And I brought my guitars and I brought uh, whatever. I think I had a, I had some weird instrument. Glockenspiel. Oh, I had a glockenspiel. That's Are you right. kidding me? I was okay. I totally was making that up. <laughs> no, that was real. That weird sound. <laughs> it's so on brand. It is so on brand. So yeah. With those feelings and with the with the with the spirit of oppression in the air, that's where the lyrics and the kind of like uh, drive of it came from and like the some of the weird sounds. But I don't know if you guys know, but uh, the real master of weird sounds is right here on this podcast with us. And his name is Jared Nicolay. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, I like to give credit where credit is due. So uh, so I think I brought it to Jared or I sent you the demo or something. And I, I sent him like five demos from that weekend. And this was definitely the one that he was like, oh no, this, this is just weird enough. <laughs> but I think we picked it for today and we went back and forth a little bit on it. Like, was this too on the nose for what's going on right now with our situation with Ukraine and the Russian people 
many of them fleeing their homes. And that's kind of what that was the spirit of the song. I think there was the episode of the Americans where they actually go back to when the characters were in Russia and like how they were like trying to escape the regime. And so kind of eerily similar to some of the stories we hear now and the stuff on the news that we see people just trying to flee. And that's kind of the like scared, like the scared vibe that we get from the song. That's kind of literally what it's about. Yeah, and it, it was strange when you brought it to me too, because I I had been working on like a solo record at that point where I had a, a verse about that was talking about Crimea as like a place like it was. I think the song is called First World Blues, where it's like, you know, people complain about stuff here, but like you could be in Crimea, you know, and that was in like twenty. Uh, it was like years ago, and like the fact that this is like back, you know, again, it's happening again and nothing's changed or it's worse. And, you know, it, it's overwhelming, but it's just strange that <laughs> it's, it's, we're back here, right back where we started kind of thing. Mm. Jarrett and Olivia, your duo name, as you make music together is Astrovia. What does Astrovia mean? I'm the Via. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> we all, I think we both picked a word and I picked via and I, right. Maybe I'm making that up, but I thought we each picked a word. No, I think you're right. I don't remember actually how we came about it, but I do know that it's sort of botched Latin. Like it is, uh, there's a Latin phrase, which I will now, uh, proceed to butcher. No, but come on. No, we don't know how they said it. That's what they say. You get to just, just do it. <laughs> That's right. I'm just going to wing it. They can't and correct If us. anybody else speaks Latin, <laughs> uh, they can call in and give you guys hell. But I think it was odd astra, odd infinitum, maybe? Or like, or no. The, the phrase means like through adversity to the stars, I think. So like we picked those two words as some. Through adversity to the stars. That's challenging. As in like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it sounds cool. It, it, hopefully it sounds cool. So, yeah, Jared is the via. He's he's the road. And I guess that makes me the star. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that makes sense. Checks out. Story checks out. Perfect. Perfect. So the two of you have been in a lot of bands, and I'm not going to try to get all of them, but I should mention some. Olivia Mancini, of course, is in Washington Social Club. Olivia and the Mates. And then... um you know, one of my personal favorites, the Sarah Curtin Five that we've hosted on the Millennium Stage. Uh, Jarrett uh, has been in Virginia Coalition. His solo project is called My New Mixtape, one of his solo projects. And um, also, I believe you're playing in Franklin Gotham these days. I guess I am in Franklin Gotham. I don't know if you can be in Franklin Gotham because I feel like Kevin is Franklin Gotham. But yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> so are you like in Kevin then? Is that? Yeah, it's a, yeah. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I don't know what... Like, all right. it's a porous border again. I don't know. <laughs> of course. So how how did the two of you come together to make music together? How did, how did that partnership come about? Great question, Paul. One man. <laughs> One man. Yeah, you, you tell the story. You're, you're, you tell the story. Go for I'll, it. I'll say the name of the man. Okay. Well, you have to tell your version of it. Like, I'll tell my end. You tell yours. God, I- Oh my God. Like we, we got kind of put on a musical blind date. So Adam Dawson is a, a great drummer who is the drummer in Virginia Coalition, the band I play, have played in for my adult life. And 
he saw something. He knew Olivia. I think he filled in for the mates on drums for a gig and had the foresight to be like, hey, you should meet Olivia. And, and I had previously only been in one band my entire adult life. And it was very monogamous. And like, I didn't know. And we toured a lot. So we were gone. And like, I wasn't privy to the DC music scene at all, which was frustrating. And uh, so he was, when we stopped touring as much, we, you know, we'd get older, started having kids and stuff. And I probably was like expressed interest to him that I would like to meet local people that played music or something. I don't know. And he was like, you need to meet Olivia. That was his, the first and only person he was like, you need to meet Olivia. And then we went to IOTA of all places and had beers. Then the montage would just fast forward to like us talking right now on this podcast. And then I don't remember any of the middle part. That's where Olivia can help out. Well, I think that's pretty similar uh, to my version of events, except for I don't really know how I know Adam Dawson. I recall being at South by Southwest playing in another band, I think Donahue and the Colors. But so there's this like creepy guy standing at this bar in Austin. So again, not in Washington, D.C. where we live, but like two thirds of the way across the country. And this guy comes up to me and he's like, hey, Olivia, how you doing? And I look around for my bandmates like, uh, yeah, guys, guys, creepy guy alert. Like little help. <laughs> something's happening. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I'm not a creep, which is obviously what a creep would say. And he was like, no, 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 no. I you, maybe you don't remember me, or maybe we never met. My name's Adam Dawson. I play in Virginia Coalition with Jarrett Nicolay. And I was like, I, I'm still not I didn't know Jarrett at this point. I barely knew who Vaco was. What? No, I'm I know. Kidding, I know. I'm sorry. So anyway, long story short, he bought me a drink, which maybe I shouldn't have accepted. But he was like, when we get back to D, he's like, I'm a big fan. When, when we get back to DC, I want you to. Were they good roofies? <laughs> well, that's the weird thing. I don't remember. <laughs> so, yes. Good one. That's a good one. Uh, oh, man. And the rest, uh, Jared is filled in, except for at the end of the I- IOTA blind date, Jared like is like very cool. He's like leaving the bar and he he's like, oh, I almost forgot. And he slides this burned CD over the table to me and he's like, check this out. And I was like, okay. Serious? <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Oh, yeah. And, well, we had a few whiskeys. Even if it's not true, I appreciate the, uh, the image boost. You were smooth, man. Well, there I was popping that burned CD into my um, aftermarket stereo in my Volvo wagon. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> this guy actually knows what he's doing. Like he had it was your first mixtape record. And I don't think you'd put it out yet, but it was no. like, you know, pretty complete. And I just thought his writing and his production was like head and shoulders above anybody. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Let's get something cooking. And then we actually just became, we, in addition to being, enjoying making music, music together, we also became like really good friends. And we've been friends for like, I don't know, that was like 12 years ago. As you were talking, I think I figured it out. I think it's that we both had Volvos. Mm. I think that's really what it was. There were many, many bonding points and Volvo definitely was at the top of the list. <laughs> and then I announced that I was moving to New York. I mean, like within six months, we were like, we have a beautiful thing happening here. And I was like, and now I'm moving. And I left for grad school and our, I think maybe it has this, this like timeless quality or very like studio oriented quality because whenever we, we never just could like hang out and practice. So like whenever, like I'd come down from New York and we'd hang out in this studio or that studio or whatever, but it was always like uh, a lot, you know, we try to cram it in. So we'd spend like you know, 72 hours more or less in the studio, like really focusing on something. And then we wouldn't see each other for like four or five months 
just like sending tracks back and forth over email. So it's almost like Jared is like a music vacation friend. <laughs> like Timeshare. <laughs> we have a timeshare with each other. <laughs> no, but you're right. I, I remember us repeatedly being like, we, we get so much more done when you're like not living in DC. Like, cause it's the whole take for granted the proximity thing. It's like, if you're, we knew that we have this much time, boom, like get it done. Like, get all your ducks in a row. And I, and it was great. It's, and I think, I think the second EP was pretty much exclusively done like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like at that point too, like personally, I was in between houses, like we were moving and I had like a makeshift studio. It was almost like a romantic, like, you know, very limited resources and limited choices and options. So it made it kind of easy to make decisions quickly and just make stuff. And, and it was more important to make stuff because, you know, there wasn't as much going on for me anyway. So it was like, it was super cool. Like when we, I think it was like the Echo Birds EP, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right. Yeah. I think we did that at pickup at that time. But I do remember after you moved from one house to the other and you were just getting settled in the house that you're in now before you built the studio, I remember coming and doing vocals for your solo record, which I love, you and me alone together forever. Alone together forever, I think is the name of the album. Terrific album, if anybody hasn't checked it out. Oh, shucks. And I came to do some vocals and we did it in his laundry room. How cute. (laughs) Yeah. So the laundry room, which is right below my son's, who at the time was not old. And so it was like right below his bedroom. So it kind of limited to my options post, you know, 8.30 p.m. So it was not ideal. So that was the impetus for like making, converting the garage. That's another conversation. But yeah, so yeah. But it was those things like that record definitely had that kind of like where you would steal a moment or steal an opportunity. And it was very, everything was very, intense and and deliberate and and because of that really fun let's hear another song from master via from the aforementioned 2013 ep echo birds this song is called what's the matter what's the matter what's the matter what you gonna do think about it think about it till your head turns blue your head turns blue What's the matter, what's the matter, what you gonna do? Think about it, think about it, till your head turns blue, your head turns blue. Walking around like you, know what you're doing. Walking around like you, what's the matter, what's the matter, you can't go through it.
That song was called What's the Matter from Astrovia from their 2013 EP called Echo Birds. You can purchase that EP directly on the website, mynewmixtape.com. And we like to tell people where to go to buy music. And um, that is where many Astrovia and Jared Nicolay solo projects are available. So when you're when you're coming up with song ideas, how, how do you know that this particular song idea you want to take to each other to see if it's going to be an Astrovia song versus any of the other musical projects that you're involved in? What what makes a gem become an Astrovia gem? If I have a music piece that gets too, I kind of equate them to gravity. It's like, I don't know, entropy or something. It's like when I have a, a song or a, a recording or whatever it is that gets too big to control anymore, Olivia, she gets it. And then she can either say, it's like a choose your own adventure book. She can be like, turn to page 27 and choose to work on this book or on this song, or she can turn to page 29 and the end, you know? So it's like, it's a kind of up to her at that point, whether, whether the song becomes an Astrovia song or not. And I think it's true both ways. Like she, she does that to me. I do that to her. And, and sometimes they become songs and sometimes they don't. So, uh, Jarrett, do you have a memory? Like, do you remember what is your favorite choose your own adventure title? <laughs> all I know is that Edward Packard was the best author. Yes, Edward Packard. So that that's all I can tell you. <laughs> Whoa! I mean, like, turn to page forty-eight, you're dead. Yeah, yeah. I know he would do some time traveling BS. Like, oh, so startling every time. He he informed a lot, of, for better or for worse. He informed a lot of what I've become as a grown up. <laughs> and uh, Edward and I always remember like R.A. Montgomery, pretty good. Edward Packard, clearly the alpha choose your adventure writer. He was great. Usually, often I try to like think about what someone might talk about, and Edward Packard did not come up on my list on possible answers to questions that I ask tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope I was the first person to bring up Edward Packard. Let me let me give you. I'll give you a quick little sidebar. To my laziness level of academics. Please. In whatever grade it was, probably eighth grade or whatever. I don't know when you read those books. Like I still, I try to get my kid into him and he's like, yeah, they're, it's, they're okay. But I tried to do, to do a book report on one of those books because I could just like make bad decisions and just like kill it in three. How can you do a book report on Choose Your Own Adventure? Yeah, I was like, kill it in three pages. Like read three, like just do dumb shit and then you're done. And then you can write the, oh, I died. You know, whatever the end of the book was. And my teacher was like, she let me do it once. And then after that, it was like, come on, man. Like, you make better decisions or pick real books. <laughs> you could not tell the class what the theme of the work was. This was not a call of the wild. Right. Yeah. No, there was no, there wasn't any, you know. But I, I argued that it's, that it was, it was the frontier of literature to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Olivia's like, what are you talking about? I know what you're talking about. And I do remember, I remember my third grade teacher telling us that no choose your own adventures were, <laughs> were satisfactory fodder for any book reports. <laughs> Let's hear another song. Uh, how about one that Astrovia has chosen from the greater DC music scene? This is The Loving Paupers with a song called The Words. 
That song was called "The Words" by the Loving Paupers. It comes from their 2019 album Lines.、Uh, that was a new band to me. I was not familiar with them, and that was some really. It was a new band to me too. Yeah, great, great reggae music. DC has so many great reggae and dub bands.、Um, please tell us about the Loving Paupers. How you got to know them? Okay, well, I am just a fan girl, just a humble fan girl. The Loving Poppers came to me because I am fortunate to know Jorge Pesamenti. We've worked together in the past. He pinch hit on for some of the mates、uh, shows on guitar.、Um, you may know him from the Pie Tasters and the Leg Warmers, and this is kind of his brainchild. I saw them play. I think uh, my uh, my bassist Kristen Forbes、uh, of the Mates、uh, is also a reggae dub player in the her band the Scotch Bonnets out of Baltimore.、Uh, she was like, "We're we're playing this festival over in Northeast. You should come." And I think maybe simultaneously, Jorge was like, "My new band is playing." I was like ten seconds into this band, and I run over to the merch booth, and I'm getting a T-shirt, and I'm getting the CD, and I'm getting the record, and I'm like signing up on their mailing list. I just thought they were the coolest thing in the world. And when I brought the album home, I listened. I, I think I, I it's almost worn out. Like you know how like it, it is a, it is a vinyl record, and you know how you could you could actually wear those out. I think I have worn the grooves in it. Every single song is better than the last. That's the first track, if you can believe it, and it only gets better from there. So I cannot speak more highly of them. They are a plus. I only heard them for the first time to you, and you mentioned them to me in Pat. Like、uh, here's here's a fun fact: when Olivia and I get together to record. We just talk incessantly, and then we don't really do much recording or anything. We it's like a tangent on a tangent on a tangent. Like, and I remember, I remember her saying, like, I remember the name of this band, and you know, like, you gotta check them out, and like, and I even like wrote it down on like a little notepad, and then you know, the other notes kind of superseded those that note, and I never checked them out, you know, and until today when we decided to pick that. Song for the the podcast and goddamn it's awesome like it's like their synergy of this reggae but like not reggae and like it's it's I love that I love that it's like this you, it's undefinable and it's it feels like I don't listen to it and think about how it was made I just listen to it and it's this sound you know which is to me the funnest thing ever <laughs> I think DC doesn't quite get enough credit for its reggae scene Gosh darn right Hmm. Olivia, you're wearing a Jeopardy hoodie this evening, as in it has the logo for the show Jeopardy, and it also it, the color is the the Jeopardy blue TV monitor. Tell us and everyone about you and you and Jeopardy, your relationship with the show, what's up with you and the hoodie, all things Jeopardy. Let's start there. Oh, Tony, <laughs> thank you so much for asking. <laughs> I assume I'm among nerds. Oh, good.、Uh, yeah, <laughs> I set my clock by seven thirty p.m.、Um, And how、Jeopardy's、are you doing with the hosts? We got to talk about that.、Uh, let's definitely talk about that. It, it you know, it, it was controversial. It's been controversial all along.、Uh, I followed the drama.、Um, I'm very happy with where they landed. We have Mayim, whose last name I cannot ever say. Bialik. Bialik. Thank you. Blossom,、um, right? Blossom. Also known as Blossom. Okay, not to undermine her Jeopardy, you know. No, no, no. It's okay. I mean, I think she's comfortable with the fact that that is her. That's how people know her. Although she is also apparently a neuroscientist, which is kind of cool. So is the guy from The Offspring, where I think like he has like a high degree like 
bio degree or something. Like, he's like he's like a PhD physicist. That guy, uh, it's incredible. Not the guy from Smash Mouth, however. No, no, he's, I don't. He's know not he a is, neuroscientist. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so we got Blossom doing a co-hosting with Ken Jennings, the all-time best uh, Jeopardy uh, winner. And I'll say they do a very, very good job. I don't know where to start or where to finish here, Tony. Like, I've got so much to say about Jeopardy. Like, how'd you end up, how'd you come to love the show and what role does it play in your life now? Well, I've been waiting my whole life to be asked this question. Um, Like many Jeopardy fans, uh, it started early. You know, I grew up in a Jeopardy family. My dad, actually, this is a pretty good story. My dad is has been a Mensa member since he was like I don't know 15 years old like he he is he's also the same person who put liquid dish soap into the dishwasher um which I assume no one else has done that before but if you did <laughs> no but I'm kind of into it <laughs> yeah well if you wanted to do sort of like a 70s style suds party you know if you want to throw like sort of like a the thought of of it all going ever like what a foam party that's exactly what happens. I, it just comes out that little filter thing at the top of the dishwasher and just pours out and pours out like feet, fe- feet. Like it'll, it'll really accumulate through your whole kitchen. Anyway, so smart and so dumb at the same time. It's incredible. My dad, he's just really, you know, he's, he's a paradox. But he, he can get every Jeopardy question right. And throughout my entire childhood, my sister and I were like, Dad, Dad, you're squandering your skills here. You got to go on Jeopardy. So finally, like 20 years into us kind of like baiting him, he goes and he auditions for Jeopardy and he's doing great and he's doing great. And then they ask him this question. Who is the lead singer of No Doubt? Oh, God. Wow. Oh, it's a question I feel that he should have known the answer to. And Olivia, how has the show like maintained its import? Like, as in why? How? Do, how and why does it continue to be so, to be important to you? Well, I think that I I don't know how to best describe myself. I, I I appear as kind of easygoing and laid back, but I'm actually like kind of uptight, and I like routines, and I'm like kind of rigid in many ways so i think the the consistency of jeopardy has been very important to me that wherever i am in the world i know that jeopardy is on at 7 30 p.m 7 p.m locally on channel 45 and it acts like it's supposed to it does everything is the same obviously i took alex's passing hard like the rest of the fan community but i'm embracing this new era I, I think this is new lifeblood. We're getting more fans. We have never we, had the kind we. of viewership. She's wearing the sweatshirt. I mean, are you surprised? I mean, I'm she's literally wearing. She's pronouncing the we on Jeopardy. <laughs> Olivia, how do you do with other? I don't know procedurals because, like, you watch a Law and Order, it's going to be the same thing. You know, you get that every time. Like, as in, does that extend to you and other other media properties? Um, that's a great question, Tony. I think I would say to that, I like consistency, but I don't like I don't like form formulaic pro- programming. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Consistency, but not formula. Ooh. But would you say it's the reality versus the the scriptedness? Like, do you like that? The, there's no way to know because it's like it's happening. It was recorded in real time, not like it's not a script, you know. I think that's where Jeopardy's. 
Absolutely. I mean, because the game show aspect is exciting. One time I got to go to a live taping at DAR. Oh, the worst venue in the world. <laughs> the worst venue in the world for everything except for not for Jeopardy because you're just sitting there, right? <laughs> it does sound pretty good for Jeopardy. <laughs> and uh, Alex comes out. The way they do it, if anybody has, if nobody here has been to a taping, is that they actually maintain the commercial breaks. And when Alex was around, he would come out and he'd talk with the audience through like all three minutes. And I went with my drummer, Randy from The Mates, Randy Scope, who is a comedian and also kind of a loud mouth. And he, uh, so like Alex is like, it comes out for a commercial break and he's like, all right, audience, um, any questions for me? First hand in the air is Randy Scope. And I'm sitting there being like, don't embarrass me or Alex, whatever you do. So he's, he's got his hand in the air. Alex calls on him and uh, Randy goes, uh, what do you do in your spare time? And Alex goes, totally straight face. He goes, I drink. Next question. <laughs> oh, man. Endearing. It's really good. I mean... You know, it's his Canadianness. I think. <laughs> he could work a crowd, that guy. I'll tell you what. He was a good man. Effortless. Let's hear another song. Next up, another song from Master Via. This song is called Fast Forward.
that's another rad track from Astrovia with a track called Fast Forward from their 2013 release, Echo Birds. So uh, this song came out. You released you released it like 10 years ago. What's it like to hear and then... Nine not, years come, ago. Come on, man. Nine. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I got to, you know, you got to split hairs at this point, right? Every year counts. <laughs> Double digits is a big deal. Has there been an Astrovia live performance? There's been like six. Yes. There's been maybe like six, I want to say. That seems like a good estimate. This century? I don't know about this century. <laughs> Not this century. I think the last place we played was the Red and Black. Wow. Do you remember that place? Yeah. I, that's dating it right there. <laughs> so that was before it became the Red Palace. Uh, yes. It was... Um, was it the Red and Black or, or was the it Red the Palace? Red Palace that we? Played? It might have been the Red Palace because I thought the Red Palace was the pushing the the two together to be one venue. That's right. I think we played. So we must have played the Red Palace also. That was when they they put the burlesque bar and the venue together into one. You're right. I was wondering why I had to dress like that. <laughs> why 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 you had those uh, spangles on your nipples? I never explained that to you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I was totally game for it, totally into it. But like it was I thought it was a weird thing. I thought it was a weird uh, writer. But... Yes, I think um, I think we determined that uh, we may not be as much of a live band. Um, so we stuck to what we were better at, which was being a recording band. <laughs> Arguably better at the live thing's funny because like when you're, you know, when you're a band and you can you know, get together and play and vet all the parts and do all that. And if you've been in live bands as a living, I've been in, it's, it's, it's hard to, to play live shows when it doesn't sound as good as the record sometimes, you know, and when, when you're not like a real band, when you're like a, a project, uh, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's like, it's fun to play shows, but like the time in, to invest in doing it properly and to find the people and, you know, you have to either clone yourself or, which is never good because no one needs more of me in the world. More Olivia's would be okay, but... I don't know, Jared. Just imagine the attention. I don't know, Jared. There could be even more hit records. <laughs> yeah. Let's crowdsource that and see, but I don't think... But you know what I mean? It's like, I, I've always been a record guy. Like, I've always been terrified about making mistakes. It's funny because, like, I played for, like, a decade of my life. I just played live shows most nights of the week and and I got used to doing that and making mistakes and doing all you know uh being okay with that but I love being able to sculpt the 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 vision of what it is and 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 the studio provides that environment of you know have it end up to be the thing that you intended it to be so um apparently you have a plan to supply the Hometown Sounds podcast and many other uh, beautiful people with Christmas songs every year. Um, you've given us a couple that we have played on our annual holiday episodes. And we appreciate it. Tell us about the idea of making a Christmas song every year. Why is that important? And for 2021's installment, how'd you end up thinking about preppers for, for It's a Prepper Christmas? I think Olivia and I are very festive people during festive times. So we like to get together and, and we use it as an excuse to hang out and 
that's it. That's the one. We tell our significant others like, oh, we're working. Yeah. Like, you know, got to put out that Christmas song. So we're going to have to get get together like 12 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and hang out in the studio and, you know, talk for 90 hours and not doing anything. Um, <laughs> that's like kind of how it goes. <laughs> I'm not one for tradition, but that that is a tradition I will hold on to for until I'm dead. So how many Christmas songs do we have? Three, two, three, three. Cause what, what are you, what are you drinking now? What is that? Uh, it's Pabst. I got it from Comet when we played there the other night. Nice. All right. You got it from <laughs> Comet. That's correct. What, what do you, what do you, you, mean you bought it and you took it home? No, sir. Uh, this is part of my pay. <laughs> I put it into my backpack. <laughs> I took it home with me. <laughs> the wages of a musician. Was it warm when they or cold when they gave it to you? And how did you listen? What happened? Is it a skunked beer? I think that's what I'm asking you. Well, Tony, I think that's a fair question, but that would be sort of overlooking the fact that I have been in the music business for like 20, 25 years. So I know what to do when the beer is on ice, <laughs> as it was on Saturday. Please tell me there's a rhyme here, like a like a red sky at night. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. If I could just find something that runs with ice. It's actually a limerick. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, when the beer's on ice, uh, put it in your backpack. It'll still taste nice. There it is. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, <my> God. <laughs> but a beer in the morning is sure. Oh, oh boy. Red, red sky at night, right? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I was trying. I was. I failed. Sorry. You're doing great, man. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. Prepper Christmas was a humorous take on some time with the in-laws. My girlfriend and I came back from Christmas and that was like kind of like a family bonding thing for them. Like my girlfriend and her family don't agree on all that much, but there they were like really broing down about bunkers and whatever MREs. And I think it was like almost like a catharsis. Like we got off the plane after a week with our family and we come home and I had been tooling around with like, oh, we need to do the Esther via Christmas song. And I had something like in my head that was like, na 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 Christmas or like, it's a something Christmas. And like, we couldn't figure out what the, or like I couldn't figure out what like the something was. I love that. I love the almost there, mostly baked part of a song. Yeah, so close, <laughs> so close. And it just seemed to fit. You know, like I had talked to Jared about it and we were like, you know, it's a, it's a Kung Fu Christmas. It's a dollar store Christmas. Like just a bunch. <laughs> dollar store Christmas. You know, we would like bandied some things about, but then when we got to prepper Christmas, it was like, whoa, that's it. Um, this is like very much in the zeitgeist. And um, so Amy, my girlfriend wrote most of the lyrics and uh, you know, I put some like easy chords to it. And then we brought it to Jared. Jared polished off the rest of the lyrics. Uh, I think it could only be Jared. It could only be Jared. Uh, we banged the whole thing out and- I tried to not ruin things. That's all I, I was like, <laughs> stay out of the way, like matrix. <laughs> Let it be what it's going to be. And then I did a lot of like, uh, for promo, I did a lot of spamming of like prepper YouTube sites until I was banned. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, now, now I don't get to post comments on YouTube anymore. We've been teasing some 
of Jared's solo work. So let's hear a song from my new mixtape. This is a brand new one called Daylight Savings. Daylight Savings, a track by Jared Nikolai's moniker, My New Mixtape. Jared, is this song about Daylight Savings? And what is the message of like the song, or what do you think about Daylight Savings? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is. It's funny. I think that it became a meta experience with regards to how one would feel about Daylight Savings. Because, you know, obviously it's it's stupid. <laughs> the, the, the bottom line is that daylight savings is a dumb thing. But is it stupid? Like people talk about the old tire. My I had an appointment with my psychiatrist yesterday. He was like, how are you doing with daylight savings? And I was like, I don't know. I'm depressed. So like, I don't think like it's a handicap that pushes one way or the other, you know, with a baseline, you know, <laughs> I, I think I think to me what the song turned into was this kind of like meditation on like, well, OK, so daylight savings is a thing. It's kind of pointless at this point in in society, but 
it's something to do. It's like it makes today different than another day, you know? That's an idea. Oh, we just need to fill our lives with something that doesn't make sense. Every day needs to be like some sort of micro holiday, you know, like the, I don't know. It, it, and now I'm like, I need to write a song about every micro holiday. Like I, I'm working on my Earth Day song right now and I'm t- totally kidding. <laughs> but I don't know. The, the, the daylight savings thing is, I think to have an opinion about daylight savings is also stupid. <laughs> so I th- You know what I mean? I think it's dumb no matter what. So that's why I, I kind of like wanted to flesh it out and make it into something that was like fun, hopefully fun and upbeat and, and not be too self thinky, but I don't know. It's a song. <laughs> Daylight savings. It's, it's more complicated than you can even imagine. So Jared, who did you have, who did you have collaborate with you on that song? Me, myself, and I, um, Usually, I'll ha- at a minimum, usually I'll have my wife come in and sing some harmonies. But this one, I was like, shit, it's about to be Daylight Savings Time. And and I had this working song going that was called Daylight Savings about a month ago. And I was like, okay, I have like a month to get this shit done. So whenever I had like a free moment in the studio, I would just throw stuff at, you know, kind of build the, the Play-Doh ball until it became a done kind of bigger Play-Doh ball. And... You know, I don't know. It was it was it was a uniquely uh, it was a different experience songwriting for me. Like because it was just really I was just like, this is the goal. I'm going to make a song about a, a dumb observance and see what happens. But in some ways, it was like one of the funnest things I've, I've done. So, for Jared, for anybody that is unaware, tell us about your space there and your studio, what services you're offering. I do oil changes and. no i i run a recording studio out of my house but it's it's my garage olivia might be she can verify that i'm not like a crazy person that no no i can't (laughs) cannot verify that you're not a crazy person you're equally insane but um no yeah, yeah i just basically i for the most part make music with people that i like to make music with for a living most days of the week and it's awesome. And I have a studio in my garage. It's called Mixtape Studios. What is the hustle of you, a music producer, beyond word of mouth and word of ear? You know, as in how hard like what do you what do you do to try to get more business? Honestly, I don't really try to do anything. Like and I'm not saying that I won't have to or that I don't or that I shouldn't or whatever, but like I do spend most of my days here with people with like really creative and talented people that come here and they choose to come here and do stuff that's important to them. And they let me be involved in that process and that, but like it is so humbling. And so it just means the world to me that I get to do something that I have been doing since I was like 12 or 13 with other people that they would want me to be involved in that process. And I get to do that for, you know, most days of the week. It's like, it's a, it's unbelievable. Do you have a moment you can remember where you thought to yourself or realized, Oh, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Or that's what I want to do as in like, Oh, that is what I would like my destiny to be. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't, I don't like to me, it was like, I think it was the opposite. I, I think I knew that 
I don't know how to do anything else or like I'm not good at any of that other stuff or like whatever it would be that I think I was just out of options. And, and I toured in a band for probably a decade. And so that that was an easy distraction because before that I I did this on on a, a level, on like a hobby level, I would record music and stuff. But then I toured in a band for full time and I wasn't able to kind of pursue that. And as soon as the touring stopped, that's when I was immediately like, okay, I need to, obviously what I love to do. And that's, I need to figure out a way to kind of reintegrate that into my life or into the routine. But to me, the the studio has just always been the default setting, you know, and so far so good. Like it, it people luckily seem to want to come here and, and make music and Every day is a different adventure and it's great. I can't complain. And that is almost taking us to the end of this episode of the Loose Listening Party. I want to give another quick thank you to our friends at the Loose Foundation Center in the Smithsonian American Art Museum. Please follow them on social media. Hopefully soon we can come back and see shows there in the Loose Unplugged series. That would be really, really nice. I uh, want to also thank Jarrett and Olivia of Astrovia for chatting with us in this episode. You guys have been amazing. Thank you so much. You've been amazing. <laughs> thank you, guys. And like we played a solo track from Jarrett's project, we are going to round out this episode with a solo track from Olivia. This song is called Easy Right Now. It is from the 2016 EP Walkabout and also appeared on the compilation If We Knew Then. I have uh, quite a fondness for this track personally because Hometown Sounds got to premiere the music video for this track. And I just think it's a really beautiful song. The video is really, really great. So tell us about the the compilation that you put together, Olivia, uh, if we knew then. Um, what do you think made those 15 songs stand out? And uh, is there anything that you've been a part of over the last few years that you might add to it? Oh, thank you for asking, Paul. I put together that compilation as sort of a like uh, Hail Mary, I think, to use a sports reference, uh, where I was like, okay, you know, like I've made all these albums and they were under all these different names. I think, you know, I put one out called, you know, under uh, Olivia and the Housemaids, then we were Olivia and the Maids, then we were Olivia Mancini and the Maids. And I'll tell you, Spotify is not forgiving with that kind of, of um, what do they call it? SS. Yes, the SEOs, the SEO speed wagons. Yep. Yes, that's it. So I was like, all right, I'm going to crack the code a little bit and I'm going to just release my favorite tracks, like the songs that I'm proudest of, and just put it under one name. And if somebody searches Olivia Mancini, bada boom. The hits. The hits, right? Like, and it's not often that an artist gets the opportunity to put together her own greatest hits. So I, I took it as a real uh, chance to, I don't know, sit back, listen to the catalog, and decide which songs I thought were most amenable. Play God is what you're saying. That's right, Jarrett. That's exactly right. Playing God <laughs> as you should. Okay, so is that out now? It is. Yeah, no, is it? Yes, no, it is. What do I type <laughs> in Spotify? Type in Olivia Mancini <laughs> into Spotify. I hope that this, uh, if we knew then, uh, would come up as a search result. You got a new follower. <laughs> you can purchase the compilation, if we knew then, on Bandcamp. 
And many of the other stuff that we've played in this episode, you can find at mynewmixtape.com. So if you have a few bucks and you want to have some more MP3s in your library, then, uh, you know, go send some money to the musicians that you've heard on this podcast, like we like to say to everybody. So the song is called Easy Right Now. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Paul. And And we'll we'll see you all all next time. time. Certain man.